For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love, and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live, and welcome to Embrace Your Power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hello there. It's Denise Taylor here. You know, I am always excited to have you join me each and every week right here on Embrace Your Power. Now, this is the place where you can always count on me to encourage you to build a life that you love. You see, around these parts, we believe that God has given us the power to do it. In fact, he says in his word that he did not give us fear. He gave us power. And when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. Now, I will tell you, I believe you'll be divinely inspired to do the things that God wants to accomplish in your life. And when you do those things, you're going to experience satisfaction and fulfillment that is going to light you up from the inside out. And that is exactly what I want for you. I want you to experience being lit up from the inside because you are leaning into doing the things that God wants to do through you. Now, I don't know if you're watching me on YouTube or maybe you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but what I do know is I am so glad to be connected with you here. You see, in season two, we are doubling down on your career success. And here's the reason why. I talk a lot about building a life that you love, but the reality is we spend a significant amount of our time and energy at work. In fact, most of our waking hours are spent either at work or going to or from work, which means that we should have some success where we deposit a huge amount of who we are. And so I want you to release your faith to get to the next level in your career. I want you to believe for success in the workplace. And that is why you are hearing me say over and over to go for your promotion. Now I understand for some people, it may not be what they want, but if it is what you want, I want you to believe for it and lean into it. And that's the reason why I have doubled down on career success in season two of the podcast. I want to support you on that journey to achieve the success that you want in your career. So much so that I now work with women to do exactly that. You see, I help women develop the skills, savvy, and momentum to get the career success that they want. And the conversations that we're now having on the podcast feed into that as well. I want you to be equipped. I want you to be prepared for the success that you want to experience. I want you to be aware. I want your senses to be alerted so that you can be savvy about how you approach. And I want you to generate the momentum. I want you to be ready to take 
take action when opportunities open themselves up for you. I believe that we can be power leaders and that is what I am committed to in this season. Now, if you need support, I invite you to set up time to talk to me. That's pretty easy. You can access my calendar at www.callwithdenise.live. Now, today we have a phenomenal guest, but before we talk about our guests, it is important for anyone who is with us for the first time to understand more about the success superpowers. You see around here, we have a proven process to make success happen for us time and time again. And when we embrace the superpowers and put them into action, you can see the consistency of your success begin to occur. So if you're new, let me just play them back for you so that you can be on the same page with the rest of us. Success superpower number one is see yourself successful. It's exactly what I've been talking about when I say believe for your promotion. I want you to envision yourself being what it is you desire, achieving what you desire, doing what you desire, and having what you desire. It is imperative that we begin to see ourselves in our accomplished version of what it is we want to achieve. Because if we can begin to envision it, we can make it happen in our life. Success superpower number two is shake off fear. Now, this is incredibly important. You see, when we start dreaming big and thinking big about what it is we can accomplish and do, we start to feel fear. Now, here's the thing. Fear as a uh, emotion or a response is not a bad thing. I want you to be prepared to give proper pause and concern with the things going on around you. But when fear starts to make you stop or stall, that's when it's taking a wrong turn. I want you to have the tools to be able to shake off fear. I want you to allow yourself to lean into the fear and do it afraid with appropriate support and understanding of how God has equipped you to be able to persevere in the face of fear. Success superpower number three is do the work. Now, this one is increasingly important because we understand how we can believe for it, but we have a role to play. You have to roll up your sleeve and get busy. But here's the thing, God will bless the work of our hands. He's promised to meet us on our journey. And so we are not without promise. We just gotta do our part. Success superpower number four is take care of you. So important, so critically important because the mantle of greatness is heavy. And so if you don't have a good self-care strategy that takes into consideration all aspects of who you are, then you are going to flake when it gets heavy. And so I want you to have a plan to take care of every aspect of you. And then finally, the last success superpower is hold fast to your faith. And when we are persevering towards the success we want to achieve, it's very likely that we're going to run into days of contradiction. Days when we expected it to go up and it goes down. We expected it to go right and it goes left. When things just don't work out the way we 
desire. It's in those days that we need our faith to be able to rely upon, to sustain us and to steady us as we persevere. So those success superpowers, you can apply them to any area you are in pursuit of and they will help you achieve your goal. Now, if you've been with me in season two, then you already know that I suggested that you get a journal so that you could take notes. In fact, I told you to label it Embrace Your Power. The reason why I did that is because as we are getting nuggets and wisdom, we want to make sure we're capturing things that resonate with us so that when we need it at a later point, we have it handy to go back to and to leverage in our experience. And so if you haven't done it yet, I want to invite you to do it because today is going to be another powerhouse conversation. My guest today, Jennifer, is going to come and drop so many gems that you're going to want to make sure that you take good notes. So let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer and then we'll get right into the conversation. Jennifer Jones is a vice president of marketing at Tidy Products. She spent the last two decades in the medical device industry. She has served in various roles as it relates to sales and marketing. While at her core, she is a marketer, she has come to realize she has a passion for developing leaders. She leads a talented group of individuals and she oversees product marketing, marketing communication, and product development. Now, get this, to support leaders globally, Jennifer recently launched her podcast and the podcast is focused on leadership development. The name of the podcast is Virtual Leadership Coffee Chat with JJ. She offers so much practical advice that you can immediately put to work. Outside of work, she spends most of her time with her husband of almost 17 years and their beautiful six-year-old son. Now, I will see you on the other side, but be sure to plug in and grab all the good nuggets that come out in this incredible conversation. So one of the things that's always a great mark of personality is when someone can genuinely make you smile. And prior to jumping on here, Jennifer did that for me. She brightened up my day. And so I'm so excited to welcome her to Embrace Your Power. This is the place where she is going to share her career wisdom, um, talk about her career journey and some success she's experienced. And so I want to say welcome to you and offer you the opportunity to introduce yourself Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Denise. Um, it's a, my honor to just hang out with you um, and, the, and the team today. Uh, so Jennifer Jones, friends call me JJ. So by the end of the conversation, everyone feel free to call me JJ. Um, I uh, have uh, my husband of almost 17 years and I have a little guy who just turned six. It's a big deal in our house that he's no longer a five-year-old. Um, so uh, he just turned six. But beyond that, I actually am VP of marketing for uh, Tidy Products. Tidy is a mid-sized med device organization um, that deals with products all the way from the physician office all the way into the OR. And so I've been doing that, been with them about seven years. Um, prior to that, I spent you know 15 plus years with bigger multi medical device organizations. And so that's who I am um, in my free time. 
I, I'm, my husband's a full-time musician, so I spend a lot of time with him at gigs and churches, and, and we just navigate our life from a music perspective every weekend. So that's who I am. Oh, well, then you guys must have some signature songs because sure. music is part of your love yeah. language with it one is. another. And so I, I, in my mind, am envisioning praise parties breaking out definitely. all of a sudden all definitely. over the place. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then my son has like started writing music, which is hilarious. So it's a, it's a musical family. Here we go. That is awesome. That's yeah. really awesome. So um really briefly, just kind of walk us through your professional career. I have yep. some questions lined up to go back to the beginning, but as sure. much as you're comfortable, just kind of summarize yep. it for us yep. a little bit. So I um, I graduated from University of Wisconsin many, many moons ago. So I'm a badger um, and had prior to that spent many years like with uh, medical device organizations, specifically cardinal health and customer service work and things like that. So when I got out of school, it was like my desire to get back into healthcare, not necessarily like medical field, but actually, you know, supporting clinicians and with products. So I joined uh, Cardinal Health right out of college um, in, a, in a role that was similar to like customer service, but I managed hospitals from the time they placed in order until they paid the bill, large hospitals across the U.S. Um, shortly after that, I went into inside sales. I'm far better in person. And so I wanted to spend a lot of time in accounts and I was blowing my boss's travel budget. So when a field rep job opened up, he said, why don't you go take that where they've got the budget to support your desire to be out uh, with customers. So I spent a couple of years in sales in the field it was a, an amazing time of my life because I was able to hang out in hospitals, spend time with customers and really help to match my products with their needs. However, I think I realized I had a mentor that was far wiser than I was at that time that my greatest frustration was that I wanted to support my customers and there were products in my bag that didn't give them the solution that they needed. And I wanted to be the one to figure out what that solution might be. And so when I shared that with her, she said, I think you might want to consider marketing. So although my undergraduate degree was in marketing, I really hadn't thought about marketing as a career and so she said, why don't, you, why don't you try marketing? And I've never looked back. And so I've been from a product manager to a leader of a smaller team to now um, managing the entire department. So that's that's been my journey. I love that. I love that. And so one of the reasons why I wanted you to kind of go back to where it all began for you is when I think about customer service and I think about sales to a business organization, you cannot get any more foundationally intact as to what really makes it all come together. And so when you take yourself back to those early experiences that you had, what would you say are some of the key learnings that you grasp that still help you now? I, I never, ever, Denise, forget those beginning roles. I mean, even, you know, 15, 20 years since I've done it, right? I literally can still remember walking into a hospital, um, having to solve a problem of a, of a supply issue they were having because there was a patient at the end of that. And so I think it, from the very beginning, I learned the value of listening to my customer, but also really understanding their shoes and being able to solve their problems. And that is the baseline of marketing. It's what I tell my team every single day. That's our focus. We're only going to be successful if we can understand what our customers need 
and actually can deliver a solution. So being like you said, I, I knew where all the bodies were buried. I knew I knew where um how we could how we were frustrating customers and what we need to do to improve it because I was living with them every day, not in corporate America in the corporate office. And so that I think has been really my like the foundation of at least my marketing experience because I now understand the power of the customer. Um, and so I literally I do not believe I would be where I am today had I not started in customer service, had I not started with having to sell something over the phone and then eventually being in front of a customer to solve their problems in person. I, I would not be where I am today professionally. Yeah, I, I think those are excellent things to have in your arsenal, right? Because it helps you stay in touch. And it also, from a marketing standpoint, helps you with your messaging and what really resonates. Because sure. sometimes we hear marketing messages that talk about the benefits of something rather than really speaking to what it solves. And I think that is a difference that I heard you explaining there, especially when you're in their face and they're saying, this is my struggle with your product, or this is my struggle with my my customer or my client that I'm trying to address. And so I do think it prepares you really well. Sure, for sure. I I literally, you know, I'm a little bit partial. I love marketers that have had time in the field as a sales rep. Because when your paycheck is dependent on how well you can hear and solve your customer's problems, you get pretty efficient at translating requirements into products, customer requirements into product requirements. And so I have a bias. Now I will hire marketers that don't have sales experience, but I do have a little bit of a bias with folks that have some sales experience because you have had to live and and, and eat off of what your customers are saying to you every day. So. Yeah. And so I think as people are looking at their career, right, everyone wants to somehow get to this position, but I do think it's these type of experience that are part of that preparation that makes you really perform well when you get there because you understand what the real work is and what the real needs are. Now, one of the things I heard you share, I heard you share it before, you shared it again today. So that tells me it sticks out a lot is you had a mentoring relationship and she was able to see something in you, guide you to something that really set you up to soar with her partnership. So help me understand how powerful that was to you and what did she sense and how did she help you? You know, I am, I am fortunate Denise to have had some really authentic people mentor me. Right. I, I, I never felt like I had mentors that were just trying to check the box. Right. To say that I'm mentors like they literally were invested in not only my professional life, but also my personal life. And so I think because she approached the mentorship, wanting to know Jennifer, like I was very early in my marriage, like all these things. She was she was she was very much focused on the whole person when it came to career advice. She had already like given me enough, given up invest, invest enough in me, sorry, for me to trust that she was not going to lead me astray. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the other part for me was that um, it was consistent. One of the things that I tell people a lot about mentoring relationships is sometimes we think we need a mentor, we need to, we need to make a job change or we want to get the promotion, but mentorship should be something you're consistently doing. So I wasn't meeting with her just for the purpose of, I want to get to the next job. I was just meeting with her because she was like 20 years my senior, had been doing this for a long time. I wanted to just learn from her on my daily journey in the role I was in today. So I think because of that, we had, we had consistency, 
she knew the ins and outs of my role. So when it got to a place, she was like, I think you should consider marketing. I could do nothing but trust her because we had gained that level of respect because she was concerned about me and, and really kind of understood my ins and outs. And here's the other part, you know, there's power in wise counsel, right? Like the Bible says, if you don't have wisdom, like go buy it, like go get wisdom. And I think sometimes we, so folks in my generation are a little bit younger. We forget that like people have been there, done that. Like, let's, let's, like, let's appreciate that wisdom and follow through. So I think that for me was hands down. Okay. If you think I should go into marketing, let's go. Like, why not? I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me to the right place. So one of the things that I found is I continue to work with people is this. We've heard for so long that we don't do a good job of asking for help. So we mm -hmm. have really matured ourselves to say, okay, I'm going to ask. Mm -hmm. But where we struggle is accepting the help mm -hmm. once it reveals itself. So we're past the hurdle of asking. We'll ask for it, but we really mm -hmm. don't allow ourselves to be open. And what I sensed in your relationship with her, and not just her, it sounds like it's part of who you are, is that you have a willingness to hearken to advice, mm -hmm. to For wisdom, sure. especially when it's a value and trusted relationship. Yeah. How did that come to be? Was it something about her that made you feel uh, safe? Or was it something about your personality? Like, yeah. how did you really allow yourself to lean into that wisdom? Denise, I think it, I think it was at the lap of my grandmother, mm -hmm. right? That, you know, I just remember coming home from school every day with her and I might get a little emotional because I mean, she's been gone for many years, but she has such an impact on my life. And she would take the time to show me how to make something in the kitchen, or she would take the time and just share her experience in the depression. And I learned more from her sitting at her feet than I did in the classroom, just about life, things that like even today, some 20, 30 years later, I still can pull on those, those experiences. So I think, I think it happened with my grandmother, the power of wisdom and the power of trusted advice and the power of like, like you can, I can sit at your feet, but if I'm not going to do anything with it, then I'm wasting both of our times. Mm -hmm. And I think for, for me, it's like, I, this lady was like having lunch with me. She was paying to have lunch with me, right? I'm the mentee. And she's giving me wisdom. How dare I not take advantage of that? And here's the other part. Like my grandmother was an amazing cook. Why wouldn't I take her, her, her feedback or her uh, coaching? This lady was like a VP. So obviously she knew what she was doing. So why, why would I dare question the, the advice and the counsel that she was providing for me? I love that. And one of the things that I think is also a byproduct of mentoring relationships is the realization that it collapses time, right? Mm -hmm. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that, you mm -hmm. and I bought, you and I both have been in the position where we brought in consultants for whatever reason within our organization. And we did it, even though we knew our team could ramp up and get up to speed right. and begin to learn it. But we brought them in because we wanted to collapse time. That's right. That's we right. wanted to get there quickly. In, in like manner, we can adopt those same principles, right? In our career, in our life, if we would bring in people, trusted yes. resources that yes. can speak into our lives, it collapses time. And I would imagine that okay. it cut down your swirl. For sure. It cut sure. down your frustration. For sure. And it allowed you to get in position to accelerate and go fast. For sure. Yeah, I, I um, 
I don't feel like I spun out. And I've I've had folks in my, you know, that I've mentored, even folks that have worked for me, that I've seen them spin out for years because they want to go a direction they didn't get good counsel for. Like I don't, I don't, if I look at back on my career, Denise, I don't feel there was ever a time where I'm like, I was working and I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know how to get there. Like I always felt like the time I was spending in a job was purposeful. And when it was time to make a transition, it was the right point. Because I had again really good mentors that would kind of guide me or say, okay, now it's kind of time for the next step. Um, I think that's, I think you waste a lot of time. And I, I don't know if there's like this badge of honor, like that we want to struggle to get there. Like why? Like, I mean, the sooner we can get there, the greater impact we can make. There's like not a badge of honor to say that I struggled because no matter what, there's going to be hard work. It's not like she did the work when I got in the seat. I still had to work hard in the role, but she helped to kind of path, you know, pave the path for me. I love that. I love that. So one of the things you shared, and I loved how you expressed it, you said you didn't know that you would become the VP of marketing, Mm -hmm. but you did recognize opportunities and even more, you allowed yourself to seize them. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's very powerful because one, some people struggle to recognize opportunity when it shows up and they struggle to seize the opportunity when it arrives. Mm -hmm. I had a pastor once say, and it's something I still say often, is that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. And so how did you position yourself and learn to recognize opportunity Mm -hmm. and seize Mm -hmm. them? So I think, I think one, again, mentorship is super critical. Every juncture I've had, and it's not just been this one individual mentor, but I've had someone that could be a sounding board to say, does this make sense? Um, I think the other part for me was, I, I tell people all the time, like your career will find you. I, I don't think you've got to strive after it. Like anytime I felt like I was striving after a position, it probably was not right for me. And so when someone would come and say, hey, here's an opportunity, if it just kind of was like flowing relatively easy, I, I, it felt like it was the path that like God had grace for me to take. I'll never forget the one time I like went out on my own and I thought I wanted to go do this pharmaceutical role, right? And I showed up at this interview. It was like the worst interview I'd ever done. That they, they were so critical of me. And I literally sat in the meeting, I'm like, why am I even here? This was literally Jennifer saying, I think I should do something different versus following the normal path that has been the success for me. So every single moment I've like, I've, when the door has opened, like my faith is, is, is true in this. I let God like kind of give me the peace about it. And for me, the peace is if it's easy, I should not have to strive after it. But then beyond that, I have taken some roles where like some folks might have said, oh, it might've been too soon or it might've been too early or like, but I've like, I've never shied away from a challenge. I think sometimes, especially as women, and sometimes women of color, we believe that we have, to, if the resume has a hundred things on it that you have to be like eligible for, we believe we better be A plus on every single one of those points. When other folks will say, well, if I've got 10, I'm applying for this job, the job is for me, right? And so I think, I think we also have to recognize that no one expects you to be hundred percent in the role. And so if it's going to be a stretch, that's okay. That doesn't mean it's not the right role for you. So I've always tried to like not sell myself out if it felt like it was the right next step mm-hmm. in my career. I, I often tell my daughters, you go as far as favor is going to take you. Amen. Right? 
And Amen. so you you take that next step and you see if you can find favor there. And if the door yeah. closes, then you know that door closes. That wasn't for you. Yeah. I have been in a position and you may have either had this experience in your career or seen it happen where they changed the position to fit uh-huh. what you brought to the table. Yes. Yes, right? absolutely. absolutely. And so if you don't at least go knocking on the absolutely. door, they may be so in love with a strength that they didn't recognize was necessary. So in love with your ability to lead, to collaborate, to secure buy-in, to all these other things that they can morph that position yes. to be what it needs to be exactly. to get you in it. Exactly. And Amen. so I agree with you that we have so to be willing to just keep going after the opportunities until there is no more in that. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So true. So, I mean, it's funny you say that because I remember like, again, this first marketing job, I remember when they were like, when I had talked to the hiring manager, like, oh, we're going to have you do these four or five different steps and you have to go through these, like this panel interview and you go through this presentation and blah, blah, blah. And I literally had one interview and then like, I got an offer, like all that other stuff didn't happen, but that like, that's not me. That's God's grace on my life. And I believe that for me, that, that, all it took was something in that room to let them understand this is somebody I want on my team. And that's because, and again, in that, we'll probably go, I'll probably tackle something later that I'll talk about at least also Denise is that you have to show up with your authentic self. Like, like we don't have to show up with airs or trying to be something we're not, who are you authentically? And that speaks to the heart of people. And then that's where a connection happens and grace like, can manifest. So yeah, I, I, I'm all for like, don't, try to make the job. Don't try to be perfect for the role. Be perfect for the timing in that role. I, think. Mm, I love that. I love that. So there was something that you called out when you finally reached that point and you learned it fast and right away when you became a leader of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some changes that mm-hmm. were involved. There was a lot of dynamics going on, but I think the nuggets that you pulled out of that were quite rich. So mm-hmm. help us understand more about what that new experience was for you becoming a leader of people. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I remember as a child, I used to always like pretend like I was teaching a class. Like I always wanted to be like the leader or the teacher. Like that was always like a, that was part of my like playtime, right? So I think when I finally got to the opportunity to lead people, I was like really excited about what that meant. But I think what I realized pretty quickly when those people started encountering life, sicknesses, family trauma, you name it, that I was actually managing humanity, like human beings that were going through life issues. And as a manager, it it had like, it had somewhat to do with the work, but it had more to do with the fact that I am their leader through this thing called life. And I get them eight hours a day. It took the responsibility of leadership to a completely different level. Um, and I think for me, you know, what, what I, I also realized in that season what my calling was, right? Because up until that point, I was like a marketer. I was doing pretty well, but I didn't realize what God had called me to do. I grew up in the church, right? And so a lot of times when you grow up in church, you think callings is like, you gotta be a pastor at a church. You gotta do like something in the church. But I always felt like the church was my filling station. And there was, I was, I was getting filled to go do something in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I think that didn't open up for me until I became a leader of people and realized that people encountered life issues. Mm-hmm. And as their leader, you're probably going to have to walk them through that. 
I don't think everyone does that well, but good leaders do that. Well, good leaders lead people. They don't lead work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think John Maxwell said it best when he said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen. And when I think about um, the relationships that I forged as a leader of people, you're right. You're in the thick of the divorce um, yes. because it's yes. hard to leave that in the parking lot when they come in to their desk to work with you. Right. You're in the thick of a parent um, passing away. Yes. You're in the thick of a sick child in the hospital. You're in the thick of all of that with them. And what I have found that when I supported them fully, the mm. humanity of them, they went above and beyond yes. for me yep. each yep. and every time. Every time. They didn't watch the clock. They mm-hmm. didn't mind my calls. They didn't mind when the press was on and we had to get things done. And it was because I gave them that care. I cared them as a person first, right? And I think if you lead with that, that's when you get to the heart, to your point, of really being Christ in action in the marketplace Mm -hmm. at work where they can see them. And that's when you get, and I'm sure you've had this too, that person who comes to your door and they close it Mm -hmm. and they tell you about something going on and they ask you if you will pray. Amen. Now Mm -hmm. they may not want to pray with you, but they know it's something about you that if they have an issue, they will come in silently and ask for your support in that way. And there is nothing more rewarding, like when they can see that in you and want to connect with that power that you bring with yourself every day. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, I think, you know, the thing that I that I've like come to, you know, just rest in as a leader is that we spend the majority of our day at work. And um, I don't I don't put my Christianity on the shelf when I show up at work. Now, I'm also not going to beat you over the head with a Bible. And I think that the thing that I that I if we if we look at even how Jesus lived, Jesus met people where they were at. And he ministered through loving them and and speaking to their needs. Mm -hmm. And that's how it opened up their heart to receive him. And so for me, it's like, if I can just be his hands and feet Mm -hmm. in these times, it could be, it could be, I mean, I've had folks that have dealt with infertility. I've had folks that have had parents die. I've had them, I've had, I've had employees that have been sick themselves. I've had folks go through divorce, you name it. It has run the life gamut, right? Mm -hmm. But if I can be his hands and feet in that moment, I can at least plant a seed that might get watered down the line and eventually they might give their self, their life to Christ. And I've seen that happen. I've seen folks that knew that had nothing to do with God, but I, I was hands and feet for them. A, a, a seed was planted. And four years later, when I meet up with them, like they're hanging out in church, like all the time, like, well, where did this come from? And I think that is, that is why God called me to the marketplace because there's some folks that are in the marketplace that will never step foot in a church mm-hmm. ever until they meet someone in the marketplace that will show them Jesus, the authentic Jesus, not religion, Jesus, then they will be more willing to show up at a church. So I think for me, a lot of times as leaders, I think we get it twisted. I think it's a gift to lead. I think it's a calling. Mm-hmm. And as a byproduct is like we have work and we do, we have success here. But I believe that if I if I lead and be God's hands and feet in the marketplace, he will grace the business to be successful. And still make way for me to be his hands and feet. 
mm-hmm. in the marketplace. Absolutely. And I, and I love what you kind of touched upon and I'll go deeper in it. You don't have to show up and be weird. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to show up and, you know, be toting the Bible in and out of the conference rooms and you don't have to show up and be off putting from a place of making it look mysterious and yes. mystical to yes. have your relationship with God. You can show up as an everyday person and mm-hmm. allow that love to permeate through yes. you. And I also love the fact that you said there was still business to be done. Like there's yeah. still work to perform. Yeah. There's yeah. still, you know, marks that we have to achieve, performance that we need to show through on. And so it's not that we're blending away our responsibility, but we're recognizing that we're dealing with humanity, that we're yeah. dealing with real people who have real life situations. That's and right. so thank, thank you for being that example yeah. in the workplace because- yeah. I believe it's necessary. You know, I believe that your faith should go wherever you go. And if you're going to work, then it should be going to work with you, right? If you're going to the store, it should go with you as well. And so now you're a leader of a business Uh unit. Um, You have this global platform that you're sitting on in terms of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that's like to know that you're at the helm of responsibility for this business contact yeah. for your context yeah. for your company um so sometimes it's overwhelming right to to think where 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 like god is positioning um but i like to surround myself with really really smart people i i mean the the, the i think you know for me there's in this role i had the ability i had the the fortunate opportunity to build the team Right. And so that meant that I was able to somewhat curate what success would look like for our business based on the personalities and the experience in there. And I am always I'm, I'm overwhelmingly humbled by just the, the level of genius that exists in this organization. And so for me, it's it's uh, it's really surrounding myself with really smart people. And I say often my purpose is to clear the way so they can do great work. And so I think um being at the helm means that one has to have to continue to have a pulse of our market, which again goes back to my early days in customer service and sales, spending time with customers, understanding, hearing, hearing what they're saying that they might not be saying, particularly like in how we can support that. So I think that's one I've got to have a pulse, but then I've got to really create a system within my organization that allows folks to do really, really good work, rapid learning, rapid experimentation. So um, I wouldn't, I am, only here we're only successful because of the people um but i think at the end of the day it really has a lot to do with balancing ears to the ground in the market and then creating a space where people do, can do great work um and it could be a, a 50 million dollar portfolio it could be a hundred million dollar portfolio it could be a half billion i mean you name it that same play still creates success Mm, I love that. I love the recognition that it's leading with the people who are doing the work and finding smart talent and letting them go. Like, don't man- micromanage them. You got to yeah, set yeah. them free to Please, do yeah, for sure. what, what you hired them to do. For sure. So I'm going to let statistics tell this story and then I'm going to let you come in with your experience, yeah. right? Because I don't want it to be said that Jennifer said this. <laughs> Okay. So the reality is when we talk about Black women, white men are eight times more likely to be executives than Black women. White women are 4.5 times more likely to be leaders in organizations. So that tells me that Mm -hmm. there are often times that people Mm -hmm. like me and you who Mm -hmm. have 
reach different levels, senior levels within organizations will walk into the room uh-huh. and there will not be very many of us in there. Oh. Um, oh. A whole lot who look like us, um, who represent our experience in our culture. So oh. let's talk a little bit about what it's like to navigate those type of environments firsthand when yeah. you're kind of the only oh. um, and you're feeling as if uh, you have this sense of loneliness from that perspective. Sure, sure. So, I, I mean, I think Denise, I've like I've probably spent my entire life often being one of, if not the only, in the room, even from school, right? I mean, I just like the classes I took. I typically was the only African American in the class, and very few females, even for that standpoint. So that's kind of been my journey um, throughout my entire like life. Um, and especially now, I mean, I, 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 there's, there's no one that looks like me when I show up to a board meeting. There's no one that sometimes even age, color, or sex. Let's just, I mean, I am like the anomaly in the room. Um, and I think, I think the, the, for me, Denise, I think it, 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 my comfort with that happened early on in life. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of things that happened for me. One, especially in school, because I earned that spot. Right. I was in the honors classes because I was capable of doing I was capable of learning in that environment. And so I never felt like I was like a token or affirmative action or I was like a statistic. You know, I was always like she's talented. And then, oh, by oh, and by the way, she can kind of meet like our diversity initiative. So I've never felt like I was like someone let me into the room and I wasn't supposed to be in the room. And I think with that, I. um I actually expect to walk in the room and I'm actually shocked if there's someone else that looks like, mm-hmm. and that shouldn't be the case, but I'm, I actually typically expect that to, to be the case. And I think what I've like learned to do is I just show up as my authentic self. I can't, I can't hide this. This is who I am. Right. Um, and so for me, there's a reason why I'm in the room. Um, there's value that I deliver. I mean, I've had scenarios in these, I'll never forget this. I w- we were having a meeting with, um, a, a guy CEO of another company that we were considering buying their technology. And so he shows up to our office and he asks me, he hands me his piece of paper. And he says, can you make a copy of this for me? And, and I was like, as if I was the admin. And so I just let it ride. Right. Because I'm like this, I mean, God bless them. This is probably all, this is probably only been his experience with African-American females. So I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to let my, like, just let the, the day go. And so when I came in with the paper that I sat at the head of the table, you could see his whole demeanor shift, like, uh oh. And then when we started having the conversations and I'm like, you and I, I know the space you're in, like, you're going to have to be aligned with me for us to move forward with buying your company, his whole demeanor shift. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, Denise, I didn't try to over like dramatize who I was. I didn't even tell him my title. I just sat, I just sat at the table and I was, I was Jennifer Jones. It happened to be the VP of marketing in the organization. So I've had scenarios like that. I almost expect it. And I, I can't even get upset for, it, we shouldn't still be in this. We still shouldn't be experiencing this. But like, you know, when Jesus on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Like this is still, people don't know what they do. And I have to expect that. But I'm not going to alter who I am. But I'm also not going to overcompensate or hide who I am to, to have a seat at the table. Yeah, I I love the authenticity. I'll I'll tell you, one of the times I made the mistake was when I had joined a new organization 
it was a building materials organization. And so I have been, I have been, um, I guess, briefed, if you will, that when you go out to the field, right, you want to try to blend in as much as you can, right? And so I'm a bling girl. So, you yeah, know, I sure. like the bling. That I, oh, that's just yeah. who I am. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I um, went to the field and I tried to tone it down, right? I tried to thin it out and I was so incredibly uncomfortable mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. entire time mm-hmm. that I was like, I will never do this again. This again. And mm-hmm. if my bling is too much for them to handle, this may not be the place for me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you because one, there has to be someone who shows up to let them know that I bring all this with me, but I'm, I, I, I didn't just get let in here. No, I, I earned my I, seat. <laughs> I earned my seat That's at right. the table That's right. and I belong here and I'm going to bring all of, who all of me. I am to the table with me. And so I love that you honed in on authenticity and I too have had those moments where there was some very assuming people about your role, very assuming about who you were in the landscape of the room. And I have been um, inappropriately assumed or misassumed, if you will. And so it is very eye-opening to watch that contradiction Uh from across the table because you can (laughs) almost visibly Mm -hmm. See that mm-hmm. person reckoning uh-huh. and interrogating their own yeah. thoughts, which That's tells right. me that authenticity is the way to be right. if you Amen. want to shift those perspectives. Because yeah. when it collides with the truth of who you are, they have to reckon with That's right. resolving exactly. their preconceived notion. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that to go back to that example, right? probably one of my biggest fans now to this day, right? Just because of that moment. And also I, I, again, this is, this is another grace moment. I said it of grace. Cause I could have took that a completely different way. Right. But I chose to let the, let the process be as it may. And, um, and again, like, unfortunately we, we are, we are products of our upbringing. We're products of our country and not everyone has had the level of experience. And so I understand why he thought I was the secretary, but by the time we left that meeting, he realized I was the VP. So I mean, like, that's all that matters. And, and at the end of the day, like he knows who JJ is authentically. I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Now I had this uh, experience similar to yours where I was brought into an organization to start a brand new business context that didn't mm-hmm. exist before. Mine was around innovation and technology just because uh-huh. that's my wheelhouse. Yours was walking in to establish an entire marketing organization. Yeah. And when you're building something new, it's almost like a startup vibe, Uh right? uh Because for me, I was the first person on the team, you know? (laughs) So it's like, you got to build, first you got to figure out what structure you need. Then you got to put some meat on the bones by bringing people in. Talk about what that's like and that responsibility Mm -hmm. of being the architect and Mm -hmm. the builder of that new business aspect. I think I think really good question, especially at this at this point in, in my journey here. So I walk into this organization. I'd had many, many years of experience at multi-billion dollar publicly traded companies. So I, I knew what marketing looked like in this space. And I show up in this this company here and I'm like, oh my Lord, like 
it's like two different worlds almost, right? And I think the first part for me was I could not fix and do everything at once. So I had to figure out what, how could we get started to begin to make an impact? And, and for, in particular for, for Tidy, my focus was no one knew who we were. No one, no one in the market knew the beauty of this beautiful product line that they had. No one knew it. And so my job was to build a marketing organization that can that could basically, basically put Tidy on the map. So that that impacted my hiring. It impacted our where we focused our, our kind of our, our initial kind of priorities. All of that impacted that. And then we began the evolution of now that people know who we are, now we need to put more products in the portfolio that can augment the branding that's out there. So that meant that we had to now invest in engineering. And then now that we have this product category that's now showing up in different segments, now we've got to engage in digital marketing. So it has literally led to the building blocks of the organization. Where we are today looks nothing like where we were seven years ago because we've we've consistently evolved. And so, you know, honestly, Denise was the first time I had done it. So that there was no playbook here. Um, I had to literally go like, like, what is the what is the greatest impact we can make in the shortest amount of time? What's the talent I need to get us there? And how do we rapidly move forward through a lot of experimentation um, to, to get to where we are today? I'm humbled by how far we've come. Um, and I think it has very much to do with just taking our time and getting the right talent in the right seats at the right time. I didn't get it right on every hire. We didn't get it right with every step. But I think we definitely made an impact in the value of this business as a now, one of the things you called out as a key learning as a new leader of people is recognizing the power of uh, managing and leading the humanity of who they were. When you got into building this organization, you shared that your revelation was you were called to build and develop leaders. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. When you're managing individual contributors, you definitely have aspect of care. You have aspect of driving those performance results hands-on that way. But when you have leaders of people, that becomes a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. help me understand some of Mm -hmm. the things that you've learned about being a developer of leaders. Mm -hmm. It's a really good question, Denise. the stage I'm at in my career right now, I do not have the day-to-day interaction with the majority of my people that I did six, seven years ago when I was their direct, when I was the leader of the folks closest to the work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there it's true that most people leave their leaders, not the company. Mm-hmm. And also when you think about development, right? People always want to be developed. Development doesn't happen by sending someone to a course. It's the daily interaction with their leaders. And I think what I began to realize is that leadership, especially where I sit today, is I've got to have folks that are equipped to support their folks through the life stuff, right? Because I can't jump in every time there's a life issue, right? They have to be able to hold their hand through that process. They also have to have leaders that are available or are, are equipped to develop because I can't be in every meeting to develop the talent and coach the talent. So I've literally spent probably the last four or five years focusing on how do my leaders develop, support, and equip their people. And the reality is, is that most of us, that is not something that's focused on when we talk about leadership development. Most of us learn that trial, trial by fire, right? You, you have folks that 
like maybe for me, like I hitched my wagon to developing people, but most folks hitch their wagon on just telling people what to do, not developing people. And so I've had to really help my leaders understand, no, your job is to support and equip. They oftentimes when we, in fact, I'm coming off of our quarterly check-in, one of the questions I'll ask them is like, why are you doing that work? Like who on your team can you delegate that work to? Because I need you to open up more capacity to coach, support, and equip your people. And so I think for me, um, as I as I now have the, the privilege of leading leaders, I see that we do, we do our leaders disservice because we don't equip them for that part of leadership. Because I'll tell you, I don't know that I did it well when I was leading the, the close, close, close to the work. I probably spent more time telling them what to do or directing the work or doing the work myself versus supporting and equipping them to do it on their own. And, you know, it's, it's respectful to do that, but it's also impactful. Like if I, if everyone's operating at their highest capacity individually, we can knock down walls, but if everyone has to be, if the leader has to do the work that we're, we're hampered by how far we can go. So powerful. So here's what I get out of everything that we've talked about. If I had to sum it up, one of the things that I think is a fundamental belief that I sense from you is the necessity to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, why is that important to you? I wouldn't be here today if folks hadn't done that to me. If my math teacher didn't pay it forward and spend time with me to make sure I could master calculus, if my African-American studies professor wouldn't pay it for it and make sure I wrote the best paper that that would be like could, could be competitive to a graduate student. If my mentor didn't tell me to go to marketing, like if I would not be where I am today if folks had not made a choice to pay it for. And so I think that's the only way that we can continue to be successful. You don't learn these things in a classroom. And it's, it's, actually, it's actually disrespectful to all those before you if you don't pay it forward. It would be, it would be heartbreaking for me for folks that, that I've, I've poured into to not pour it forward. Like that, that would just be the greatest disservice to the time that we spent. I don't want you just to be successful for you. I want you to continue to breathe that success in the future. So yeah, I, I am a strong believer of paying it forward. And I think the other part that I would just challenge folks to think about is, this, you don't have to be a VP of marketing to be a mentor. You can be you can be a sales rep two years in and mentor someone that just started a year ago. Like so, you don't need this longevity of experience to be. Now I'm okay. Now I can be a mentor. No, there is someone that will that will benefit from your experience and your wisdom. Don't wait until you've arrived before you decide to start mentoring people. And I'll tell you one other thing: is every mentoring relationship that I've had. I've learned. It, it's not just been one way. I've learned. I've learned so much from my mentees. So it's not even about I'm just pouring out. I'm getting nothing in return. I, I get so much from the people that share their life with me and, and give me the opportunity to, to give them some perspective on what they might do differently. Every time I learn something, it's a gift. Well, we're five weeks into this now, so you already know it is time for your empowering moment. This is the time where I take a pause for the calls, the calls to help you get out of your own way and jumpstart your success. During this time, I always feature aspects of my book, Embrace Your Power and Go. And if you have the book, you can follow right along with me. 
Now, every day throughout the book, there's a corresponding scripture that you can take as a promise. There's a passage that I have personally penned to encourage you to grow. There's an affirmation to seal the deal for whatever the lesson is for the day. And there's a section where you can journal your takeaways and your goals. We are on day five of the 30-day journey. And the focus for day five is this, faith won't work unless you do. The scripture reference for the day is this, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's James 2 and 17. Now on this day, you know I am energizing your faith. I am talking about why it is necessary for you to release and activate your faith. And I seal out the day with this affirmation that I want you to receive now. My daily actions demonstrate my faith. Today, I take strategic decisive and intentional action towards my purpose and my goals. My thoughts, words, decisions, and actions are in full alignment with what I believe. That's what I want for you. I want you to lean into your faith, into what you believe, and I hope that you will receive that today. Now, if this resonates with you, you absolutely can get a copy of the book. Go ahead and put your prime to work. It's available on Amazon. The title of the book, again, is Embrace Your Power and Go. Now, more than that, if you have aspirations that you truly need to get started, if you need to activate your faith so that you can build a life that you love, then I want you to know that I would love the opportunity to help and support you on your journey. You see, one of the things that I know to be true is oftentimes we lean into doing things alone, but I want you to know that the wisest decision you can make is to get help. And the way you do that with me is you access my calendar and it's pretty easy. If you go to www.callwithdenise.live, my calendar will open up for you. You can access a time on there for us and I will give you a call. Now, I want you to know my sweet spot is helping women get out of their own way to build a life that you love. And I want to see you get to the success that you want and desire. And if you're on board with all of that, then I know we'll be talking soon. Now let's get back into it. Okay, so now that we're back, we're gonna dive a little bit more into your advice. Okay. So I have some targeted questions that I would just love to hear how you weigh in on them. So the first one is this. What is your best advice for women feeling stretched by either transition or opportunity? Maybe they're getting some pressure to perform. How would you advise them? I would say, first of all, take a breather. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when, we, when we're stretched, that's a sign that you might need to rest. There's, there's power in resting because you might have, one of the things I've seen in myself is sometimes I sign up for too much. And in rest, you can determine, have I, am I going beyond where I should be today? Also in rest, it gives you an opportunity to recoup. So if you're feeling stretched, if you're feeling like, you, like you're being asked to do more, you can take a pause and reassess, give yourself that gift of rest. 
No, I love that. What's your best advice for women struggling to fit in at work? So they're finding it hard to be accepted or understood. I would challenge you to be your authentic self. I think sometimes when you struggle to fit in, it's because you're struggling to fit into the person that you're trying to make yourself to be. It's a lot easier to fit in when you show up as yourself, show up as your authentic self, bring all of you to the table. It'll be a lot easier to fit in. Mm -hmm, I love that. And your best advice for women wanting to advance their career and get to the next level? I would say one, get a mentor and then get another one and then get one more mentor. I think all of those folks will help you understand what next looks like. My advice for mentorship is, is three things. One, find someone that you used to work for because they know you. So they, they know your ins and outs. They know your weaknesses. They know you. So it's a lot easier to kind of get perspective. And usually they're working somewhere else. So they've got even perspective on different industries or different companies. Second, find someone who's where you want to be. Okay. So pick that second minute. And the third one, find someone that doesn't even work in your industry. I actually suggest, especially as, as women, go find a, a seasoned woman in the community that might be the church mother, or that might like have nothing to do with your industry because they'll have a way of helping you stay balanced in what's next. So if you want to go to the next step, get yourself a mentor. The next thing I would say is do not sell yourself short. If there's an opportunity that you're interested in, don't pull the, the, the job description out and make sure that you check all 12 boxes. If you check five, go have a conversation. If you check two, go have a conversation. Don't limit yourself to perfection. Mm, I love that. I love that. So I have these 12 skills that I believe every power leader should know. Every black woman in corporate America should know this. In the interest of time, instead of asking you all 12, I'll have uh -huh. you pick three numbers. Okay. And then based on Ooh. the three you pick, I will mm -hmm. have you respond. Okay. So I'll do six because my baby just turned six. Mm -hmm. I will do um, 11 mm -hmm. and 12. All right. Number six is this. What's your best advice for how to take feedback without taking offense? Ooh, great question. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. Like that we should eat off of feedback. Like don't take, it's hard to say don't take it personal, but understand that it's a gift, right? Open up the gift. I heard this one adage that says, take, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Whatever doesn't feel like it lands, spit out the bones, but don't throw away the meat because there's something in there that's of value. Oh, that is feedback so good. Oh, that is so good. All right. <laughs> your best advice on how to lead white men and work with white women. Just be yourself. These like, like understand just as you might be intimidated. They're probably just as intimidated because we're all coming to the table with our, our history, our legacy, all the things that we believe about each other. Mm -hmm. Show up as your authentic self. The other, the other part I would say is get to know the person. Every person is a, they have life experiences and you will find that you'll have more in common than you don't through that process. Show up as your authentic self, get to know the person and find your commonalities and, and hang out there. Mm -hmm. That would be my advice. I love that. And then finally, your best advice on how to find out what your mama couldn't teach you. Ooh, I think it goes back to mentoring. I think it goes back to wise counsel. Again, the Bible says get wisdom. And if you don't have it, go buy it. 
Remember, that's what Solomon asked for wisdom. Seek out wise counsel. It is not a badge of honor to be on the struggle bus through life. When there are people that have figured it out, go get wise counsel. Make friends. Have I, the, the, the gift of the pandemic has been the ability to literally, I've had virtual coffee with people from all over the globe. If someone looks like they might have something or know something, you know, send a message. Most people don't mind having a 30 minute virtual call because they'll be getting their car. They can have a cup of coffee. Please seek our wise counsel. Do not, the struggle bus badge is like not cool. Go find the wisdom badge. Oh my God. So, so good. <laughs> All right. Here's my closeout questions. What's your life wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? Um, I would say be gentle. Be a gentle parent of yourself um, and have patience. Um, like life is life will never be what you plan it to be, but it'll always be what it should be. And just walk it out. I, don't be gentle. I, I, I think sometimes I, um, I set my own self up for failure because I put expectations that were never realistic. And just trust that like God has literally ordered your steps. He literally has your steps ordered. Even, you know, even the, the bad times that I've been through, I can look back today and see how God's hand was on my life. Trust that God has ordered your steps and be gentle with yourself. Oh, I love that. Love wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about love if you could? Love really is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not just because you're going to have to wake up every morning and choose to love. And guess what? Somebody's going to have to wake up and choose to love you. It is a choice every day. It's not a feeling because those things fall apart real fast. So I would tell myself, know that when the arrows falls away, it's agape that holds, holds it out. And that is a choice. Mm. So good. And then finally, your happiness wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could? I remember a pastor said to me, happiness is based on happenings. It's joy that you want. And joy can be found when the happenings are not cool. So happiness, again, is temporal. Seek out joy. Mm. That's the key. So much wisdom. So what's next for you and how can listeners get connected with you? So I would say, check out, I've launched a podcast. So if you remember, I've said earlier, I've got a really, I got a strong passion for developing leaders of leaders. That's the purpose of my podcast to help leaders get there faster. Um, so check out my podcast, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and that's what I got going on right now. Awesome. Can I tell you one more thing? Yes. Success looks so good on you. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much, Denise. Thank you. You're thank so you. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I got to tell you, season two is so exciting for me. Watching these incredible women share from the wealth of knowledge and experience that they have, it just makes me so proud and so humble to be a voice lifter in this season. You see, this podcast lifts voices. It lifts stories and experiences. And when I think about this incredible conversation that I had with Jennifer today, it excites me. When we see women who are in leadership roles showing up to to lift their voice and help others, that's powerful. So I appreciate Jennifer's willingness to connect with me here. And she had so many incredible nuggets that she shared with us today. So when I think about the conversation, you already know I was bubbling on the inside when she started talking about the power of a mentoring relationship. In fact, when I think about all the women in season two that I've talked with so far, 
all of them have placed a high degree of value or mentoring relationships. I always talk about how success leaves clues. There's a big one there. If these women are saying mentoring relationships are necessary to accelerate success, we should take notice. Jennifer talked about some of the characteristics of the relationship she has established, and I can relate to that. Mentoring relationships must be undergirded with trust. You must be willing to allow that person to guide you through the experience that you are trying to accomplish. And I also love that she tapped in and talked about the authenticity that's necessary for them to perform well. Mentoring relationships will always be a benefit and asset to you. You hear me say all the time that partnership experience accelerates progress, but strategic relationships accelerate success. Mentor relationships are strategic relationships and they will always accelerate our success. I also love the nugget that she shared when she talked about having the ability to recognize opportunity and allow herself to seize it. That's a really good point. You see, many of us sit looking out this proverbial window at opportunities passing us by. And until we are willing to get in the ring, get in the game, get out of our seat and get busy at seizing them, they will always elude us. We have to activate our hands. I talked earlier in the podcast about the necessity to do the work. It comes with a promise. God will bless the work of our hands. But if we're not doing anything to seize those opportunities when they present themselves, then we are not giving him anything to bless. In this season, I am committed to helping women leaders get the career success that they want and deserve. I have a proven plan and process to help you accelerate your success. It starts with developing skills. It continues with developing your savvy, and it ultimately blends those together to create momentum. I've said it enough now that you've heard Doing a good job alone will not get you promoted. You have to make a power impact that gets the attention for all the promotable reasons. And that's what I want to help you do. The easiest way for us to get connected is for you to book a call with me. You see, on a discovery call, it gives a chance for me to ask questions and understand more about you and what it is that you want to achieve. And if I believe I can help you, then I'll make a recommendation that includes my services so that you'll know the best next step to take. And so I want to invite you to book a call with me. It's real simple to do. If you go to www.callwithdenise.live, here's what's going to happen. A calendar is going to open up. That's my calendar. You can book a time for us that works well for you. When that time comes, I am going to call you on the phone. I am going to talk with you personally. I'm going to ask you a few questions so that I can understand more about the dynamics at play. And then I will make a professional recommendation 
patient on your best next step. It's really simple. It's not a high pressured sales call because I only offer my services in cases where I believe there's a high probability that we can get success. I want you to achieve what it is, but I do know that success leaves clues. And one of the clues that we got today is that mentoring relationships make a world of difference. And so I'd love to talk with you soon. My calendar is open to you. Now, I do want you to join me next week because the incredible conversations continue. We've got such a great lineup on this season. And so if you haven't yet rated or reviewed the podcast, I definitely want to encourage you to do that. And of course, if you have not subscribed, what are you waiting on? We want to make sure that we meet back here at the same time on Thursday. So I will see you next week. Have a good one. Now, if you love this episode, you're going to want to access the free resource I curated just for you. The Power Leader Toolkit is absolutely free and it includes three power pack career transforming resources that will help you change the game and build the career that you want and deserve. It includes my powerful training, The Seven Habits of highly successful women. Now you can get your hands on this toolkit right now. And as I said, it's absolutely free. You can access it at www.powerleadertoolkit.live. Again, that's www.powerleadertoolkit.live. And of course, I'll be back next week with more power leader strategies to help you transform your career. But until then, remember to always embrace your power and go.